You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, last Sunday morning was Pentecost, and we began this conversation about the Holy Spirit. And, and so I went home this week, and I began to wonder to myself about, about people like you who come to church on Sunday morning, and you, and you listen to that sermon. And I wondered, in your mind, what are you thinking when you... When you hear the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 5 when he says, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm trying to put myself in your position and, and ask, so, you know, what do you think that means when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit? And how is their life different after that occurs? Or, or last week when I read to you from Acts chapter 2, that these believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so how are these believers now different because they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Or this week in the passage, we read about Simon Peter. And when Luke talks about Peter, he says, Simon Peter, comma, full of the Holy Spirit. So, so what is a person's life like who is full of the Holy Spirit? And, and I admitted to you last week that, that I don't hear lots of conversations from people my age and younger about the Holy Spirit just in everyday life. So, is there anybody that you know personally that you would say, Pastor Rick, I think this person is probably filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if I had to think about somebody that I know who is like that, there's some people who come to my mind. So let me just ask the question in a different way, maybe. What is it about those people that make you think they probably are filled with the Holy Spirit? What is it their life is like? What do they do? How do they behave? How do they act? What is different about them and everybody else that you would say, I think they are full of the Holy Spirit? So let's, let's talk about it this morning again. Acts chapter 3 this morning. We were in Acts chapter 2 last week. Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Okay? Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And here's the words on the screen. What one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Do you know what that is, the time of prayer? It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And now a man crippled from birth, he was being carried... To the temple gate called Beautiful, that was the name of the gate, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Somebody has to carry him there. He's never walked a day in his life. And so family members or friends take him and put him at that gate. And he just begs for money. That's how he earns a living. So when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. I don't have any money. But what I have, I will give you. And then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I mean, you understand, nobody has ever said to this guy in all of his life, nobody has ever expected him to walk. And Peter says, walk. Taking him by the right hand, 
he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And so he jumped to his feet and he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. Why was he jumping? Just because he could. And praising God. I think it's awesome the guy's just kind of walking around. Wouldn't you think it was weird if after church I was just kind of jumping up and down some? That's what he was doing. And so it gets kind of weird because he attracts a crowd, this healing does. And Peter preaches to the crowd. And so some religious authorities come around and they detain Peter and John. And here's what happens the next day. In chapter 4, verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. They were there as well. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and teachers or elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me, let me chat with you for a few minutes, okay? Last week, um, I said a couple of things, and I would like to revisit those two things only for a couple of minutes before we move further. Last week, I said to you, I wonder if there's somebody here saying, Rick, I think I get God. I think I have a basic understanding of God. Creator of everything. God is love. God is light. God is holy. I think I get God. In fact, I wonder if people are saying, I even think that I get Jesus. I mean, I think I have a pretty good understanding of Jesus. Son of God, divine, dies on a cross, takes my sin upon himself. I think the whole Christmas story, I think I've got that. But Rick, I don't think I understand Pentecost. I don't know that I get the Holy Spirit. I don't think that I have a very good understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so last week we kind of talked with this very simple explanation. We went to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And here's what the Bible says. In the past, God spoke to us through prophets and in various ways. Well, the prophets we understand. You open the Old Testament. There's Isaiah and there's Jeremiah and there's Micah and there's Hosea and on and on a long list. God spoke through the prophets, but how did he speak in various ways? Well, he speaks through this burning bush to Moses. I would consider that a various way. He speaks through angels to Joseph and Mary. So in the past, God spoke through the prophets and in various ways. But the Hebrew writer says, in these last days, how has he spoken to us? He has spoken to us through his son. And then Jesus says, it's okay that I'm going away because if I don't go away, the spirit will not come to you. And when the spirit comes to you, Jesus says, you know what the spirit is going to do? He is going to speak to you. And he is going to guide you. So in the 
past days, God spoke through the prophets and in various ways. In these last days, he spoke to us through his son. And Jesus says, I'm going away and the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. Annette and Morgan and I got in the car yesterday and we drove down to Moore, Oklahoma. Uh, We met up with a group of people from our church there. And to say that we saw devastation feels like a very strong understatement. I've never ever in my life seen anything like this. They talk about the fact the tornado moved at a slow speed through that city. And because it moved so slowly, it did so much more damage than the earlier tornado did in 1999. I mean, you know, you're in somebody's yard. And... And it's not like big pieces of wood. It's, it's small pieces of wood. Small pieces of roofing. You're just, you're just raking up what seem to be crumbs of stuff. Hauling it out to the side of the road so the city would come and pick it up. To, to, to think about the devastation these people have experienced. What they're going through in their lives. It's, it's, it's more than I can get. Everything is so... Dirty and everything is so broken. There's nothing intact. Life is just upside down right now. The, the, the lady whose yard our people were working in, she, she's got to make decisions about her future. What, what is she going to do now? Where does she rebuild? R- right around the corner from her house was Plaza Towers Elementary School. And so Jim Priest said, you, you want to walk over there? And so we walked over there with him. And there was, a, there was a different atmosphere there than everywhere else we were. Even the workers had a sense of reverence as they stood outside that fence, what used to be that school, the remains of that school. You, you, you couldn't help but stand there and just think to yourself, children died a few days ago in that building. As we were driving out, I saw this one guy. Nothing was standing on his house. Nothing. There was not a piece of a wall anywhere. It was just just this kind of mound of rubble. And he's sitting in the middle of all of that in a chair. And he's just digging through. uh, Trying to find a picture. A memory. uh, Something that he would think was valuable to him from his life. How, how, how do you recover? How, how do you make it? How do you, how do you get the energy to get up tomorrow morning and say, let's go? And I open my Bible to John chapter 14. And I find more information about the Holy Spirit. And what I find about the Holy Spirit is that Jesus says, my father is going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he will be your helper. He's going to be your comforter. And so you don't have to just go through this on your own. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You're not without help because God has given His Spirit to us. And the Holy Spirit helps us in the most devastating storms of our lives. And and in these two weeks, we barely begin to skim the surface of the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. Well... Let me just let me just kind of shift gears here and think with you. Last week we stopped 
with chapter 2. And we read this incredible story. The Holy Spirit comes and all the believers are filled with the Spirit. Now what happens? When you get to chapter 3, what happens is that we begin to see what life looks like for Spirit-filled believers. We get like snapshots, pictures, images. This is what a Spirit-filled community of believers looks like. This is how they function. This is how they live. This is how they respond. This is what they do. And it begins in chapter 3, verse 1, and you've got Peter and John going to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Let let, let me remind you something about Jewish people. Devout Jewish people were devoted to prayer. And so in the morning when they woke up before they got out of bed, you know what they did? They prayed. And then when they went to bed at night, you know what the last thing they did? They, They prayed. Do you know they prayed before every meal and also prayed after every meal? So at lunchtime again, they prayed before the meal and after the meal. At dinner, they prayed before and after the meal. They also prayed at nine in the morning. They prayed at noon and they prayed at three in the afternoon. And so I think you're starting to get the picture. These people prayed often. And if you were a very devout Jew and you lived in Jerusalem at nine o'clock in the morning, noon, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, do you know where you prayed? You went to the temple. That's why when Luke tells the story, he says that John and Peter were on their way to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for the time of prayer. They were just being good Jewish boys who prayed. And so on the way, they, they encounter this beggar. We don't know a lot about him. We know that He had never walked in his life. He was crippled since birth. We know that he had friends or family members or somebody who brought him to the temple every day and they would lay him there and he would beg for money. Is is that a good place to beg? The temple? But what, what would it be like if you were coming to church this morning and you came into the west doors or the north doors or these doors and, and there, was, there was a guy sitting there on the ground and he had a bowl in front of him and he appeared to be in need. And as you walked by, he said, could you, could you spare some change? Could you spare a buck or two? Could you help me out this morning? What would that be like? I wonder what would happen if next Sunday morning at Bethany First Church, as people are getting into their cars and fouling into their building, at almost every door there's a beggar. What, what, what would we do? With those people. I was, I was on Rockwell and Northwest Expressway the other day. I was going northwest and I came up to the stoplight. And in the median, there's a guy who's begging. So he has a cardboard sign and written on the sign it says, Anything you could give will help. God bless you. And so I found myself in one of those awkward situations where I pulled up right beside the guy. After visiting the rescue mission downtown a few months ago, they said to me, would you please not give to people who stand on the side of the road asking for money? And would you encourage your congregation not to give to them? 
Instead, would you give them a card that you can print off of our website? Would you put some of those in your glove compartment? And when you see one of those people, would you hand them the card? Because not only would we come and pick them up when they call us, but we would give them all the food they could eat and we would give them a warm, comfortable bed to sleep in. But beyond that, we would address the real reason they're there in the first place and we would try to help them to move beyond that place in their life. They shouldn't have to be begging for food and money. There's a reason why there's something wrong in their life that they are there. We can help them move from that point. And so I've tried really hard. And there's only been a few exceptions. Sometimes you just kind of feel a prompting and so you do something. But most of the time I just say I'm not going to give anything. I realized I didn't have any cards in that car in that glove box. They were in the other car. And so I just chose not to make eye contact with the guy. Why, why, why are you laughing at me? But I can feel as I'm looking forward out of my peripheral, my peripheral vision. That's not always easy to say, but it's not that difficult. My peripheral vision that this guy, I think he's looking at me. And I know that if I look over at the guy, he's going to do something like this. A couple of bucks, nothing. You can't give anything. You don't have any change to spare, nothing. You can't give me anything. And, and I, don't want to, I don't want to go through that. And so I got my hand on the steering wheel looking cool and I'm just looking straight ahead. And, and I drive away and I feel so stinking defeated in my spirit. And I'm going, really? You couldn't even give the guy a nod. You couldn't give him a wave. Why, why couldn't you have rolled down your window and said, I'm not comfortable giving you any money. But there's a great mission in this town and I'll help you get there. Or I could have even said, think about this. I'm a part of a great church. We're not going to hand you free money because we don't think that's the best thing we can do to help you. But we can help you get your life on the right track. There's a reason you're in this position. Let let us try to help you. Can we get involved in your life? Nothing. I, I gave the guy nothing. I just drive away. I was so disappointed. I I like Peter and John's response much better. You you know what the Bible says? The Bible says they looked him straight in the eye. Peter looked him straight in the eye, as did John. Do you know why they looked him straight in the eye? Because they didn't mind sharing with him. And they gave him something better than money. Maybe I should hit a pause button and just say, you're aware of that, right? You know that there's some stuff in this world that's a lot better than money, right? They gave him something better than money. We don't have any money. But what we have, we're glad to share it with you, man. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, why don't you just get up and walk away from here? And he reaches down, takes him by the right hand. The guy comes to his feet. All of a sudden, in his feet and ankles, they begin to strengthen. And the guy begins to walk. And then he says, I think I could jump. And he jumps. I bet the guy started skipping somewhere before the day was over. Just kind of a neat story of I've got something that I could share with you. Do you know who you know who William Booth is? I don't often do this, but show of hands. Few people do. And it could be that most of the rest of you are just enjoying a good Memorial Day weekend nap. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's not the case. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. 
One day a lady walks up to William Booth and she says to him, I, I do not agree with your method of evangelism. William Booth did it this way. He found people who were down and out. Alcoholic was a good find for William Booth. Somebody who was poor, somebody who was hungry, somebody who was addicted. And he brought them into the Salvation Army and he shared Jesus with them. And he gave them a place to sleep and food to eat. And what they found through William Booth was the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to overcome the power of addiction. That was his mode of operation. And so this lady says to him, I I don't agree with your method of evangelism. And he goes, you don't? And she says, no. And he says, okay, What's, what's your method of evangelism? And she said, I don't, I don't have one. And he said, well then, I think I like mine better than I like yours. What's your method of evangelism? I'm not willing to drive by that one. I want to pull over to the side of the road and I want to look at that for a little bit. Are you a witness for Jesus? Here's the reason I'm asking. is because what happens in chapter 2 is powerful of the book of Acts. The apostles, the followers of Christ were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens in Acts chapter 3 is we begin to get a picture of what that looks like. Snapshots, images, glimpses of what Spirit-filled people look like. And here's what it looks like to me. They see a beggar along the way and what do they do? They share Jesus with the beggar. And then a crowd kind of forms. And when the crowd forms, what does Simon Peter do? He shares Jesus with all of them. And that brings on the religious heat. The cops show up and they say, what's going on? And so Simon Peter shares Jesus with them. And I know that I should not be surprised that what he does is begins to share Jesus with everybody because doesn't the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. Power to do what? You're going to become my witnesses. So why would we be shocked that Simon Peter starts telling everybody about Jesus? I know I got a little worked up, didn't I? That stuff moves me. I I, I love what happens in this next exchange. (laughs) They Okay, the religious authorities, they get with Peter and John and they say, Okay, you guys have got to stop talking about this. You got to hear me, okay? You listen? You got to stop talking about this. And here's what Simon Peter and John say. Okay, let's think about this. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? Okay, we're going to listen to God. We're not going to stop talking about it. And you know what the religious leaders say? Well, if you don't stop talking about it, you're going to be sorry. 
The Bible says they threatened them. And Peter and John says, well, we're not going to stop. And you know what the religious leader said? Okay, you can go now. What? You guys had better stop. Well, we're not going to. Well, you better stop. Okay, you can leave now. To me, it's comical. Do, do you know why they were all confused about how to handle them? Here's the reason why. They had never in their life been in the presence of a spirit-filled believer who had boldness and tenacity and said, I don't care what you do to us, we cannot stop talking about Jesus. Who said that? Thank you so much for that amen. I, I, I just think that what you're looking at this morning is this picture, this snapshot of what it is to live a spirit-filled life. I've been going to the same laundry cleaners, clothes cleaners, dry cleaners for about six months. Ever since we moved into the house we're in now, I've been going to the same cleaners. Well, the lady who waits on me there is there every time I go. She must work 12 hours a day. Her name is Kim. She's Korean. I was never convinced that her actual name was Kim, but I just went with it. And so, you know, I found myself praying for her and praying that God would open a door because the way I see it, like it or not, you're in my life, Kim. You know, God's put you there and and you're there and I see you on a somewhat regular basis. And so I feel like that I've got some sense of responsibility, right? Because I've got something that I can share with people that will change their lives. And I serve a God who loves his children so deeply And God is just just hurting over His children who are far from Him. And so I live with this responsibility. And I know that I've got something that I can give her that is going to be incredible. And so I'm, I'm just wanting an opportunity. I'm just praying, God, open a door or something. I'm trying to make conversation every time I go. She doesn't talk much. Her English is very good, but she just is not a talker, it doesn't seem like. And I'm trying to come up with ways to build some kind of... You know, relationship, friendship, talk to her. I get very little from her. And so I go in yesterday of all days. I walk in the door and she smiles big and she goes, Mr. Harvey, I'll get your things. And so she walks back. When she walks back, I'm just standing there and I look up and I see a wooden plaque. And on the plaque are engraved the words, be still and know that I am God. And I thought, man, that's, that's my opportunity. So Kim comes with my clothes and I say to Kim, I said, Kim, I, I just noticed that plaque for the very first time. Did, did you put the plaque there? I thought that was a good question to ask because if the person who owns the place put the plaque there, maybe it doesn't mean anything to her. She goes, my pastor gave me the plaque to put there. I said, oh, where, where do you go to church? And she says, I go to the Korean Nazarene church. I said, no way. I said, Kim, you remember I told you I moved here about a year ago, a few weeks ago we were talking, yeah. And I said, the reason I moved here was to pastor a church. She said, really? I said, a Nazarene church. She says, you pastor a Nazarene church? I said, yes. She said, which one? I said, Bethany, First Church of the Nazarene. She said, you pastor 
Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, the big one? I kind of think she was acting like, you don't look like you should be pastoring the big one. We begin to talk about like these people we have in common and people we know. She goes, my son just graduated from Southern Nazarene University. It was awesome. So, so Rick, why, why, why were you going into the cleaners yesterday with your heart beating a little bit faster than normal and feeling a little bit of sweat in your palms and praying that God would open a door? You, you don't even know the lady. Because I share something in common with you. I don't want to just live and die. And my life count for nothing. I, I have something that I can give people that will change their lives. And, and my father that I love so much is hurting so deeply. Because some of his children are a long way from home. And he just wants them to come back. And on my own, I can't do anything. But in the power of the Spirit, you understand, my witness can change somebody's life. I don't want to just live and die. I want to make a difference in my world. I want God to use me. I mean, the way that I see it when I think about our church, I think we can do what we're doing right now. And I think that we're making a difference. I'm so proud. Our phone was ringing off the hook on Tuesday morning. Every, what can we do for the victims? I mean, this is a great church. And we could go along like we're going along now. And I think we will make a difference as we go along. Or... We can witness a move of God like none of us have ever dreamed we would experience in our lifetime. And that option appeals to me more. And so Acts 2, something happened. In Acts 3, following through the book of Acts, you get pictures, images, snapshots of what a spirit-filled life looks like. And there's some of you here who want to go deeper. And I'm challenging you this morning to dive in. You want to stand with me? I think we should pray, pray, pray together. And you can pray where you are this morning. If you want to, you can, you can turn around and you can get on your knees at your seat. You can walk down here and you can kneel at the altar. I just think it's really important that we pray. And so I think there's going to be some people who are going to say, Lord, I want you to fill me with your spirit today. 
I, I think there's some of you probably who wanted to focus on the sermon more than you did, but you're going through something in your life and you want to pray about it today. And maybe somebody wants to come to know Jesus today. If you want to say, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm making a commitment right now that I'm going to follow you with my life from this day forward to the best of my ability. I am going to be a Christ follower from now on. You can become a Christian today. You can be anointed with oil if you want to be prayed for, for physical healing, emotional healing. And I got a feeling there's... There's probably a handful of you that are just thinking about what happened last week. And you are just, you're just feeling very aware that life can just go away like that. And you are feeling very grateful because you slept in your own bed last night. And you're going to eat at your own table today. And that all of your kids are alive. And you just want to give God thanks this morning. And so let's let's end the time that we have together by praying together. We're going to sing a song that's really a prayer. It just says, Holy Spirit, come down on us. So let's pray before we go. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.